Hey, True Crime fans, I'm Danny And I'm Brenna. And this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome back and happy Pride Month. Yes, happy Pride Month and also our golden episode. Yes, our seventh episode on the seventh. That's so exciting. (laughs) Yes, how cool. So with that being said, both of our episodes for this June will focus on the LGBTQ community and hopefully open some eyes on where changes still need to be made to help protect all within the LGBTQ community. So if you don't like it, too bad and turn it up because we're really focused on talking to you this month. Yes, girl. And this is something that we're both very, very passionate about. We both have friends and I have family members who are in the LGBTQ community. So I think it's just atrocious that these heinous crimes are happening, literally hate crimes. So I'm really excited to to share the stories and hopefully spread the word and hopefully get less crimes in the in the hate crimes. Yeah, I think it's great that you touched on that we're both very passionate about it. I think it's super awesome that we both see or agree with similar things, but see them very differently. And it just makes it more fun when we get together to talk about things and talk things out. Because we may not agree on everything, but it changes my perspective or her perspective. So it's really cool. So just remember those people that you don't necessarily get along with every step of the way, maybe transition that thought process and think of it as an opportunity for you to grow and be better as a person. Because I know Brenna definitely does that for me. And it's so fun to have this opportunity with her to get together and kind of mix and match on topics and things that we're passionate about, but have a different perspective and then ultimately come together and make something beautiful. So I really encourage those tough conversations or people that you bump heads with, maybe change your perspective because you don't know. That might change how you're viewing things. And like Brenna said, we can make changes with what we do. So maybe take that opportunity to do the same with your friends. Absolutely. And that was so cute. (laughs) What you said. I love it. But yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you 100%. And just to think about it in a different perspective, we're all so different. We all have different personalities. And on top of that, we all have different kind of moods each day. So you don't know exactly what that person is going through. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with that said, let's get into it. Today's episode will be on Daniel Spencer. Let me just start with, I wish that this had happened a while back, but we're talking about 2015, y'all, and in our backyard of Austin, Texas. As we go on, I think your mouth will just hang wide open as mine did because it's honestly ridiculous. Now, I know we don't cuss on this podcast, but Brenna, get your beeper ready (laughs) because your girl is already upset. And I mean, throughout this whole process, I was just shaking. You know, I have zero tolerance for intolerance, so... It's just one of those things that, you know, I might get a little fired up today, you guys. Yeah, well, I will I will have the editing beeper ready. Because, <laughs> yeah, this, these kind of topics really fire me up. And in my research as well, I found many, many cases, um, and they're just continuing to grow, unfortunately. But I also do, to play devil's advocate, I do also want to note that 
more people are comfortable coming out, they are reporting it as a hate crime. So that could be why we're seeing a trend, but it's also, it's, you know, yeah. it's absolutely suspicious. No, for sure. I definitely agree. So in September of 2015, 32-year-old Daniel Spencer invited his neighbor, 67-year-old James Miller Jr., over for a night of drinks and some games. The two had met maybe once or twice. That varied on what article I was looking at, but only a couple of times before they connected with their love of music. Spencer had recently moved to Austin in 2014 from Los Angeles as he was a film editor and had just gotten a new job there. And the two were obviously neighbors, found out they had a love for music, and kind of kindled their friendship that way. According to Miller, their time together was all fine until he headed out. Brenna, do you mind reading that quote I sent you earlier from People? Sure. Quote, we're musicians and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not a gay guy. It seemed like everything was all right and everything was fine. When I got ready to go, it seemed like just started happening. As Miller tried to leave, he alleged that Spencer tried to make a sexual advance towards him. Miller then rejected Spencer and stated that he was not gay. And in some of my articles, he started waving his hands. And I was like, why was that necessary to know? But okay. He, yeah, you can tell. Like, I'm not gay. We did it. We behind did it. Yeah. The, like, distancing yourself physically. Yeah. And he continues by stating Spencer blocked him from exiting and started yelling and becoming enraged. Now, the two men are quite different in build. Spencer, as I mentioned, was 32 years old and more than half the age of 67-year-old Miller. Spencer also stood 6'4 and was in shape, where Miller was 5'4 and not in the best shape of his life. I also do want to mention that Daniel Spencer was white and James Miller was black, as it was brought up in my research, but... They did come to the conclusion that race did not play a role in this case. I just wanted to mention it because it did come up quite often in the research. Miller proceeded by stabbing Spencer in the back twice after allegedly being threatened by Spencer with a glass. Now, I'm not sure if you caught that, Brenna, but I'll say it again. Miller then stabbed Spencer in the back after allegedly being threatened by Spencer with a glass. Oh, I definitely caught that. And I was going to ask, my little light bulb went off in my head, how... Do you feel threatened if somebody has their back to you? Yeah, as we go on through the trial, that's something that gets brought up. They kind of lay the scene out. It was a very bloody scene as he got stabbed and things were disheveled and everything else. But I was just like, how? How? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. Also, another question I have is it said that he was blocking the door was the stabbing still in the doorway or do you know where the crime scene took place so the stabbing still happened in his home like they didn't leave the premises but Mm -hmm. it was kind of all in the area same area of like the The entryway yeah okay i mean it was a pretty horrific scene they said there was blood everywhere gotcha now after the murder miller turned himself into the police and quoted i think i killed someone i stabbed him end quote During the trial, Miller stayed on course that it was self-defense. Although during his testimony, he openly admits that he did not physically fight Daniel Spencer before stabbing him to death. Don't even get me started on this statement. Like, how does that even make sense? I don't know how you can claim self-defense when... By someone just looking at you. (laughs) Yeah, like there's no physical altercation. He doesn't even have a weapon. Like he's holding... I'm sure he'd probably like drop the glass and... If that did happen, I mean, that's all alleged, but like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. 
It was also stated during the trial that there is no evidence that supported Daniel ever attacked or threatened Miller before the murder. More than two years after the murder, no one still knows what happened that tragic night, which could have played a huge role in the outcome of this trial. In 2018, yes, 2018, y'all, Miller was found guilty and charged with criminal negligent homicide. And oh, by the way, this crime charges a lighter sentence than murder or manslaughter. He was sentenced to 10 years probation with a maximum of six months of jail time. Miller was also required to complete 100 hours of community service and pay almost $11,000 in restitutions to Spencer's family. And now you might be wondering how this happened. Yeah, I'm really, really confused. We've seen a lot of cases where it goes to trial and you're like, how, like, what did this, what are they doing in court, you know? So I'm not super surprised that it's not murder or anything, but yeah, what? Not even any jail time? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. If I remember correctly, I don't think he did actually spend any jail time. Um, it was mainly the probation, but the judge thought it was appropriate to include those other things, but I was like, honestly, it was appropriate to not charge him with criminally negligent homicide, but that's just my opinion. I don't know what they were thinking, but I think the biggest thing that played a role in here is that when he self-reported to the police and then never really gave them a lot of information of what happened that night, and of course, Daniel wasn't there to speak for himself, mm-hmm. so it goes back to like I don't know what happened so I don't know if we can prove anything yeah but to me it's just like really that's pretty ridiculous well this also happened because of a defense called gay panic and honestly just the name sets me off like yeah what okay that's fine But let me tell you a little bit about this defense and how it's used. Here's a quote from the LGBTQ bar. Quote, the LGBTQ plus, quote, panic defense strategy is a legal strategy that asks a jury to find a victim's sexual orientation or gender identification slash expression is to blame for a defendant's violent reaction, including murder. It is not a freestanding defense in criminal liability, but rather a legal tactic used to bolster other defenses. When a perpetrator uses an LGBTQ, quote, panic defense, they are claiming that a victim's sexual orientation or gender identification not only explains, but excuses a loss of self-control and the subsequent assault by fully or partially acquitting the perpetrators of the crime against the LGBTQ plus victim, this defense implies that the LGBTQ plus lives are worth less than others, end quote. So I just want to give you a second to digest (laughs) that. Like, wow. Yeah, I agree. The name, stupid name. (laughs) Like... (laughs) How old are we? Yeah, like it the and the word panic just makes you like visualize and in this case, you know, it's two men and this man is like panicking for his life because a gay man is in front of him and it's just absolutely ridiculous because as a woman, I know that my chances are higher to be raped by a man, but 
I'm not gonna go panic anytime I see a man and yeah, where's the man, man panic defense? Yeah, what? Like, I I can't believe this is this is a real thing. Yeah. So let me break this down for you. You can get away with physically harming, or in Daniel Spencer's case, murdering someone by claiming that it was due to their personal choices of who they want to love or what they want to do with their body. And that warrants your actions okay because it just upset you that much. Now, I don't know about you, Brenna, but I just feel like this defense, and I use defense in quotation marks because, again, ridiculous, but it's the complete opposite of what the justice system stands for or, I guess, should stand for. Yeah, absolutely, because this is a true... Yeah, I don't think defense is the right word. This is a true excuse to be homophobic and use this panic as a way to just justify homophobia and it's not setting the right expectations in the future what this was 2015 the trial was 2018 we're trying to move forward and this defense is just putting us so much farther behind yeah I definitely agree that any progress going forward is kind of negated in the fact that things like this can still happen and it can be used it just kind of takes that level of security away like you if you never know like something could happen to you on the streets and they could use this defense and either get a reduced sentence or completely getting away with it and in my opinion it's just asinine and i i still can't believe that in 2021 we're talking about this yeah absolutely i have another question so i know that they were neighbors and they were friends did he know that did Miller know that he was gay before this or he's just saying he made an advance towards him and that's what set him off? So I'm not really sure on that fact. With a lot of the research, it really focused on more kind of like what I'm doing today of what gay panic was, how it's used, um, and not really giving a lot of information on like the background. Normally we would go into deep dives of what happened, how we got there, and it kind of was like this is what happened and here is how we got to the result. But I do know like for a fact when he came in and allegedly the sexual assault was, I guess he tried to lean in and kiss him, at least Mm. from what some articles said, some just said sexual whatever. So uh, he did try to lean in and kiss him. He pushed him away and said, I'm not gay. But before that, I'm not sure. They had only met a handful of times. So I'm not sure if he openly knew that or not. I see. Okay. Now, I would like to explain how this defense affects the LGBTQ community in the same way as it did for Daniel Spencer. In the beginning, back in the 1960s, this defense was used as a temporary plead for insanity. This was also back in the days still when they thought being gay or lesbian or any sort of homosexual was still a form of mental disorder, if you recall yeah, that. So ridiculous. it kind of fell in line with that understanding, and that's where this kind of all came to fruition. But I will say, from back then, we have made... A large stride forward like you mentioned earlier Brenna but clearly we still have a ways to go as we're still talking about this now I'll just say it again as the name itself just sets me off 
I want to go into other victims that were tragically lost by this defense and their perpetrators were either acquitted or had reduced sentences due to this defense. In 1995, Jonathan Smith's was murdered after being invited to participate in a game show where he shared that he had a crush on a male friend. Three days later, the host of that game show shot Jonathan twice in the heart. His murder sentence was reduced from premeditated murder to second degree. In 1998, Matthew Shepard, a 21-year-old college student, was murdered by two men. They claimed their actions were warranted by this defense. And I do want to note that this case was kind of one of those that set the gay panic on the map because this was just a horrific crime. There were riots. I mean, it kind of just alerted everybody to what was happening here. And it's kind of the start of like, what are we doing, y'all? Yeah, absolutely. And I know of both of these cases, obviously not in detail, but I do remember the TV show and the guy said, oh, like, not that he was threatened, he was more embarrassed. Let's be real. Yes, like, that exact mind, word was used. Embarrassed? In that that yeah. he was embarrassed. See, and the way I th- maybe I don't know if it's just because I'm female or I like I'm more introverted, but like I remember in high school if somebody like liked me and I didn't like them or I was already dating somebody, I'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> like I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yes. Oh my god. That's like a normal reaction to have. It's like, oh now I feel like I'm, I'm flattered, yeah. but, but now I'm so I feel sorry. awkward because I have to tell you that yes. I don't feel the same. But I mean other people go and murder people, so that's yeah. I guess their Men choice. Get it together. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that one I was pretty shocked about because the guy that did commit the murder was like a known person like he was the host of this game show yeah and it's not like it was some random person on the street so it's like people knew him like his face was seen and something like that could still happen I mean in my opinion I feel like those are the people you should make examples out of I mean everyone should be held accountable for their actions but yeah but if it's in the limelight and everybody is seeing it you would think the prosecutors and everybody else would want that much more of like a harsh crime. Yeah, which is like what setting they do the tone. With, with a lot of other things, mm-hmm. you know, like why do we have, uh, I'm going to get off a little thing, but why do we have harsher sentences for drug abuse than in these cases? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, girl. In 2003, Gwen, also known as Richie Phillips, was strangled to death, placed in a suitcase, and thrown into the river. Although his murderer claimed that Richie was trying to sexually assault him, a witness came forward and stated that the murder was premeditated. Even with this, the jury dropped the charges from first-degree murder to second-degree murder. In 2008, Terrence Hauser was stabbed 61 times. Yes, I said 61 times times by a neighbor who claimed that he was being threatened with a knife and attempted to sexually assault him. He then claimed that the panic set in and the only way out was to stab him 61 times. Oh my god. The courts acquitted him from first degree murder. So there we go. Yeah. In 2014, Jennifer Laude was choked until she lost consciousness and died when the person she was seeing found out that she was transgender. The judge in this case stated that these actions did not add up to murder. And I just want to also make a note that within our lifetime, Brenna, 
every single one of these cases happened. I know when you start to put a 1990 whatever on it, people are like, oh, that was so long ago because now we're in the 2020s. But I mean, all of these could have been prevented with just some any tolerance yeah absolutely and i mean these are only just a few of them i'm Mm -hmm. sure you didn't name every single case but yeah that just blows my mind that like why the judge in this case stated these actions did not add up to murder what do you mean yeah it doesn't make any sense at all and in that case in particular it was with a military someone in the marines so it's like wow it's just shocking to like see that and hear that and just everyone think that this is okay. So I wanted to share some stats from the LGBTQ bar that stated research shows that one in five lesbian, gay, and bisexual people living in the United States will experience a hate crime in their lifetime. And more than one out of four transgender people will. Those numbers will also increase for minorities within the LGBT community. And I know you'll talk a little bit about this in your episode, Brenna, but I still like I had to state it in there, like, one out of five and one out of four. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not even including minorities in there. Like, minority just skyrockets those stats, too. And it's just, like, come on, guys. I know we can be better than that. Absolutely. And, yeah, like you said, I'll go into it a little bit more in my case in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. But, yeah, even though those stats and everything is still in my mind, my, like my brain doesn't comprehend it because I, I honestly don't understand, but I also want to understand really why. I know it stems from homophobia and, you know, the lack of education, but it's like, how can we make this stop? How, like, what can I do to prevent this? Yeah. I mean, if you put it in another way, it's like, what if we did this to everyone who was left-handed? People yeah. would look at you like you're stupid. Like, exactly. what's wrong with you? Why do you hate this person because they're left-handed? Yes. They literally can't help that. Yeah. Like, that's not a choice. They don't just choose to write <laughs> their left hand, yeah. y'all. Yeah. I so, I, I don't know. It just, like, stuff like this. It gets that lump in your throat and your face hot where you're just like... You just want to punch somebody. <laughs> I'm not for violence, I swear. But, like, the, these types of things, the ignorance is really what gets me. And yeah. And I just, like, I start clenching. Yeah, it's definitely the ignorance where you just look at people and you're like, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't pray for them. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you guys, like, this is, I don't know how many more stats, stories, or injustice we need to share before we can start doing something about this. And at the end of the day, these are not numbers. They represent people who are victimized for simply loving another person. Like, that just gave me chills. Yeah, it gave me chills, too. Like, how ridiculous. I will never understand those people who choose to hurt other people because of things that are completely out of their control. But I do hope today they start to understand how I feel. Now, here is where we can help you guys. We are currently at 15 states that have banned the gay panic defense. And with three of those being in 2021, you guys, like yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah. So let's continue that progress. In 11 other states, legislation has been brought up against this defense as well. Now, I'm not good at math, but that does not add up to 50, does it? No, absolutely not. Okay. 
And one of those states up for legislation is Texas. So we're making progress, Brenna. Yeah. Especially. It better pass. I'm yeah. be so <laughs> So we need everyone in on this until it is eliminated across the board in all 50 states. The first thing we can do is do what we're doing today. Tell other people about it. There are so many people that do not know about this, doesn't know it's still a thing, and it's happening all the time, you guys. So we got to educate. The biggest way we can make a change is to educate each other. We cannot grow if we don't know, and I'm a huge advocate for that. I will listen to the other person all day. I may not agree with you, but I might learn something and take that to my next stage in life. So I'm saying the same thing with this. I didn't know till someone told me, and now I'm telling everybody I know because this is ridiculous. So spread the word, tell everybody, tell anybody, especially tell the people that don't want to hear about it because those are the people that are making this okay, and that's not okay. So share your voice and your platform with all. Support LGBTQ organizations. Those organizations are working every day to make changes like these, to make the LGBTQ community safer and more inclusive for all. So if you like an organization, we'll link some in our description box below that you can support as well that are making these active efforts to make steps to change things and make it safer and more inclusive for everybody. So do it, do it, do it. And then finally, be an advocate. If you see something that is wrong, speak up. Don't just let it happen. Don't let ignorant people win over you saying what's right. I mean, even it's just something that you hear or someone says, oh, that's gay. Hey, dude, what does that's that even mean? Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? Like correct yourself, correct others. So that way we can make it okay for everybody else to be here. I mean, if you can walk us across the street and nobody say anything to you, be blessed because that does not happen to everybody. And just take that understanding with you and just say, hey, the next time I walk by, what if someone said something to me? What if someone threatened me? What if someone beat me up? What if someone murdered me and then came back and used this defense? Yep. So take that with you every day when you walk around. And like Brenna said, somebody might be having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You got to take that with a grain of salt. Not everyone's going to be on their best behavior and their best selves every day. So just give people grace. Let them live. Let them love. Let them be not okay. And then come back and figure out either what was wrong or move on from it. it you don't have to take everything to a point of aggression either. So it's just we got to learn and grow with each other and be okay with people not being okay. And we got to be okay with other people's choices. Absolutely. And it, I mean, it doesn't even affect you personally. Mm-hmm. Someone loving somebody of the same sex or transgender, anything in between, it does not affect you. Yes. And if you are letting that affect you, it just says a lot about that person. Like if you can let the color someone's wearing, who they're holding hands with or what they're doing with their day affect your mood, I think that's that's some self-love and self-care that we need to take care of on our own before we kind of express that to somebody else. But at the end of the day, who I choose to love or you choose to love has no effect on the person to your left, right, front, or back. So let's celebrate it because we all need a little extra love these days. Yes, love is love. (laughs) We would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion for us, reach out through our website at 
blogostories.net. You can also check out all of our source materials for this episode in our description box. While you're there, go ahead and check out all of the resource materials we left you guys to educate yourself on the LGBTQ community and how you can make a difference there too. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Lagos Stories. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple weeks. So until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound, Nightmare, for our theme music.